I made some YouTube videos and they were starting to really take off. So I ended up actually quitting the company just as I was about to really jump off into my real career to do this thing called YouTube. There's always space in YouTube for someone to come and define a niche. And there are few better examples than Andrew, the creator behind Cold Tennis and his video essays all center around the world of, well, tennis. Why did he start making videos on such a specific topic? And how did that lead him to millions of views? I am Alex, and this is Genesis. My usual and favorite opening question is, how do you describe your job to people you're meeting for the first time when they ask you what you do for a living? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's funny. I haven't been doing this too long, so I, I still feel almost like an imposter telling people I'm a YouTuber. I'll typically say something like, oh, I create videos on YouTube. Not that that's much of a consolation or a change, but I just feel like mm -hmm. YouTuber sometimes gives people some bad connotation, like I do challenges or I do like crazy reaction videos, and there's nothing wrong with that. But yeah, I typically tell people I make YouTube videos and then follow that up by saying, oh, I make tennis documentaries or documentaries on tennis, which isn't fully accurate either because they're really just eight, 10 minute video essays. So it's kind of a strange question to answer. So I still like, I feel like I'm still developing my answer, so to speak. Definitely. And the bad news is it, it, it never gets any easier. <laughs> <laughs> Since you have been doing this for shorter than many other people that I have interviewed, I'm kind of curious about what the stories that we're going to get to. But first, for the usual context, uh, where were you born? Sure, yeah. So I was born on Long Island, New York. Nice. I was born, yeah, I was born and raised there my entire life. And um, it, yeah, it, was a, it was a very nice childhood I had for the most part. I'm the son of, a, of an immigrant father. And my mom was, was from Long Island as well. So, you know, it was kind of this interesting household because I had a, you know, a Hispanic father with very traditional values and and my Long Island mother, who's very American, so to speak. So it was it brought for some interesting experiences as a childhood with that cultural clash. But it was otherwise a very nice childhood. <laughs> do you do uh, did you ever learn any Spanish? Uh, it's funny. My father, of course, speaks fluent Spanish. He's he's from Peru originally, and my mom, whose parents were Italian descendants who who moved here when my mom was born. My mom speaks fluent Italian, and the way they met, they my mom spoke Italian to my father, my father spoke Spanish to my mother, and they kind of understood each other because of the language, yes. you know, similarities. <laughs> So they're both, uh, they both ended up becoming bilingual, you know, after that many years. And I only know English, you know? Oh. <laughs> so I always tell people is I, I, I got gypped as a kid, you know, and I don't know much Spanish at all. I'm going to make sure at least my kid's bilingual to kind of uh, get back on my parents <laughs> for, for not teaching me the ways. Uh, there's always apps for that, but wow. I know. Do you have that interesting sort of cultural combination? Yeah. And... <laughs> Oh God, what an experience. So I guess one of the things that fascinates me about your channel is that even though it's about a topic that I'm far from being knowledgeable about, it's it's very focused, which I think is something that has a clear advantage and gives it a lot of interesting edges, but also begs the question about your personal story with sport. So I guess my question there will be, at what age did you start engaging with the sport at all? 
Sure. Yeah. So to sum up a very, I guess, longest story, I started playing tennis myself when I was nine years old. My dad had a bit of a midlife crisis and he had to take up a sport to lose some weight and, you know, get his life back on track or whatever. So he ended up just dragging me and my brothers to the court as well. And I, you know, I really developed a knack for the sport. I was a decently ranked junior growing up and I played college tennis for for four years. And yeah, I've always really really enjoyed the sport and watching it and reading about it and talking about it. I never in a million years imagined I would ever do anything with it professionally. My goal was always, you know, to do it for fun, college, and then quit it after college and kind of get on with my life, so to speak, and get a real job. But of course, it it, it didn't pan out that way. So it was an interesting chain of events. But um, yeah, I've always kind of just really had a knack for it. And it's it turned into something I would have never expected. So it's, it's been quite a journey for me. Before we get there, what did you major in in college? So it's that's that's another long story. I, I mean, I'm still young. I'm only tw- I just turned 26 years old, you know. So I still have a lot of my life ahead of me to to really figure out exactly how I'm going to maneuver this into into something truly real. When I was younger, my father, you know, like I said, he's an immigrant to this country, but he came in as a medical student. And then, you know, he kind of rose from this, that my parents had this tiny little one bedroom apartment in Queens, barely making ends meet to the point where I was a teenager. And we had this very, very nice house on Long Island. My dad had a thriving medical practice. And Wow, a true New York story. Yeah. <laughs> Not that there was this any expectation for me to kind of do big things, but I think my father always had this expectation of his children that, you know, he did this as, you know, an immigrant with nothing. So we had all these resources, we should really make something of our lives. So I feel like there was almost that pressure. And there was also I saw his drive. And I really wanted that myself. So I wanted to do something real with my life that had meaning. So when I first went to college as a freshman, I majored in computer science. I didn't like that. So I switched to engineering for a year and a half. I was bad at that. So I switched schools and then I majored in nutrition and dietetics. And while I enjoyed that and I graduated with a degree in that, it's still the job prospects and the it nothing, nothing about the field really enticed me by the time I graduated. So I was like, wow, I've gone through four and a half years of school now and I'm still doing nothing. So what I did was I applied and got into this offshore medical school. And it wasn't to impress my father or anything like that. I truly was interested and still am interested in medicine. So I went to the Caribbean and studied medicine for a semester before dropping out because I just realized I was way in over my head. So now it's five, you know, it's five, six years after I first started college and I'm at home with a degree I don't want and, you know, so much student loan debt and I was just in a very precarious situation when I finally <laughs> begged my parents to let me come and live at home and, I don't know, find some minimum wage job. This is only a few years ago, you know? So it was my educational journey has not been fruitful in helping me find meaningful employment for sure. Not only that, but your entire journey plus sort of the inspiration in the experience of your parents. I'm thinking to myself, wow, I have seen this musical slash seen this movie before. All <laughs> set in New York. Um, sorry. <laughs> for for those of us who just are foreign, uh, we all need new, new York for media. So this is very amusing when it, when it sort of lines up with a story. All right. So I'm tempted to ask just when did a YouTube channel become like a thing in, in this whole journey after sort of dropping out of, of school. But before we get that, I, I need to get a sense of 
you as a viewer of YouTube content? Because I, I don't imagine you landed into this like, oh, I discovered this website called YouTube <laughs> one day. I imagine you have been consuming videos for a while, at least. So I, uh, do you remember sort of how your relationship with YouTube has changed over the years? Alex, it's actually funny. I actually never had heard of YouTube the, until the day I uploaded a, my first video. You're kidding. Nah, I'm joking with you. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was scared there for a second. <laughs> no, I mean, of course, you know, as typ any typical, you know, kid in, in the entire world these days, I had watched YouTube as a long time since I was a kid. And, you know, I've always been an avid viewer and it's always been my main, you know, consumption of, of online media and content. I've always had favorite YouTubers and, you know, genres and videos and whatnot. But I had never, ever in a million years ever had the inkling or the desire or the wonder of what it would be like to be a YouTuber in, in any way, you know, growing up. In terms of, you know, when I started to make videos, when I was in college, actually, I first discovered video editing and making when I took it upon myself when I was on the tennis team. I wanted to make a sort of year in review, you know, a highlight reel at the end of our season. So I taped all of our matches, you know, on my little iPhone, and I put some music on it and ended up actually being a very cool 12 13 minute montage of our entire season and i you know just through clips i told the story of, of how it went and i was really impressed with myself and i love putting music into things and deriving emotion out of you know simple clips and that was very fulfilling but again after a few seasons of doing that i kind of just stopped even though i liked what i was doing is stop wasting your time let's get back to the real world now so to speak so mm -hmm. i've always been an avid consumer of, of youtube content but it, it never struck me to do this, you know, especially with no skills. So yeah, it was an interesting kind of segue into into what I do now. Right. So, okay, moving back to your parents, you're sort of still trying to figure out where to go with your life. How does this turn into, I want to start a YouTube channel? What did you try before? Or did you just had this idea and jump directly into it? Yeah, so there was there was a, a few things that happened in between. My big break, so to speak, in this industry of sorts was, you know, because I was a fairly decent junior player and I had the skills and, you know, I, I can really do a lot of things just with my tennis skills alone. So what I did was I joined this tennis management company where basically the deal is it's one company based out of Texas and if another club in another part of a country, a tennis club, they're having issues with bringing in revenue for tennis or finding pros or developing a tennis program using their facilities, my company will outsource our pros, our directors, our expertise and send them all to the club and that club will pay a monthly fee back to our organization. So we had about 60, 70 clubs on our payroll. And um, I joined this organization, this this company. I, I taught tennis and, and ran clubs in Texas, Florida, Maryland, and I traveled to California, and I, I did a lot of traveling for this company for about two years. So it was actually a very lucky break that I got this job. I ended up well, working out really well. I, I really got to know the world of tennis better than than I had previously. So that's what I did. I, I was traveling all over. I was having a good time. Teaching tennis, especially eight hours a day, it's really tough on the body. So after about two, three years, I was getting really, I was getting really tired of it. But then I got a big break in the sense that I was offered a big promotion with my company to be almost a facility director, not just for tennis, but to kind of run the entire facility at a much bigger place. And it was never set in stone, but it was very much implied that they'd be coming within six months. But after three years or so, something was happening in the sense that I made some YouTube videos and they were starting to really take off. So I ended up actually quitting the company just as I was about to really jump off into my real career to do this thing called YouTube. 
at what point during this story did you create your channel and why? Yeah, so like I said, I, I quit my company after about three years. About two and a half years in, I was feeling pretty miserable with how things were going. Again, I had a decent paying job and I was traveling a lot, but I've always wanted to do something where I felt I really brought value to. And while my tennis skills are good, I mean, the main thing I had going for me was I'm a really good people person and I really enjoyed engaging and joking with people and my clients loved me. But I, ne- I always thought like, I'm just, I'm just a cog in the machine. Like I could be replaced with, with anyone, you know, in, in a sense. And, you know, it's not easy to find people with good people skills and good tennis skills, but, you know, anyone could be trained to do what I do. Like, what am I going to, am I going to be doing this in 20 years? It was a real kind of like eye-opening moment. So I think in, in early 2020, I had just been watching more YouTube than normal just because I <laughs> hated my job, hated my life in a sense. I just wanted to do nothing. And I was watching a lot of Casey Neistat and Mr. Beast videos. I grabbed 50 random people in a brand new Lamborghini. Everyone put your right hand on the car. Just watching them. Not that I'm a huge fan of either of them, but I was just like, I was so intrigued by like how good they were on camera and how good their content was, how engaging it was. I, one night I was just watching them. I was like, I could do this. I mean, but I had no skills. I've never edited, you know, in real life before. I've never gone to school for editing. I never really filmed anything. But I thought, you know what? I'm pretty sure there's some niche in tennis that's not being filled. And and you know what? I've never seen good tennis video essays. There's nothing. Tennis is actually pretty lackluster on YouTube in terms of what's being offered in of original content. Tennis is really just highlight clips, matches, live commentary tennis news, but there's no tennis original content. So these two kind of clicked one night, literally just one night, I'm sitting in bed, I'm like, I could do this. So the very next day, I opened my channel, and I started work on my first video. Interesting. Okay. But you you already had some skills that you have acquired from sort of making the highlight reels and uh, some affinity Mm -hmm. for editing software, I guess. But Sure. Your your videos, at, at least nowadays, they can be pretty elaborate. So what skills did you piggyback onto in order to make those videos differentiate at all? So to be honest, my only actually two real traits of, of talent that I came in with is number one, I'm, I've always been a very good writer. You know, in, in high school and college, it's writing in AP English. And my mom and my sister are very, very talented writers that do it for a living. So I don't know. I guess I just got that gene in me that, I understand how to write a good story. And number two, I mean, this may be cliche, but I just feel like I'm really creative. Mm. You know, it has nothing to do with nestling my skills of what I'm, what I'm able to output on the video editing program. I just, I see something that's like, you know, it'd be cool if I could do this little edit for 15 seconds and make it work. So truly, it was just trial and error. And it was it was almost really embarrassing in the beginning. Not, not that anyone could see this, but looking back on my first video, all I did was really just, you know, blatantly not really copyright friendly i just downloaded youtube videos and made a montage of sort it was it was a it was a decent video essay but i look back at the editing now and it's just god awful it was a little iMovie i hadn't edited anything like 5 years so it was really just looking up on youtube how do i do this how do i you know edit this how do i add sound how do i add a transition it was really like you know first grade you know level 1 type like i didn't know what i was doing but i made my first video and i was very happy with how it came out at the time and i thought I could do this better though. So I made a second one and it was better. And then a third one, it was better. So it kind of just, it really snowballed from there. But what was funny, Alex, I think I was a little naive in terms of success. So when I, as I was making my first video, I thought, okay, this is early 2020. 
by the end of this year, I want at least 50,000 subscribers. And I've ne I'd never edited anything in my life, you know? And judging by the first video, that would never happen today. But I was I was very sure about myself that I was going to hit 50,000 because I thought I was really doing everything better than everyone else. And it was very sobering when six months later, I was still had 50 subscribers. <laughs> <laughs> so when a lot of people get to that point, that's usually when people start quitting. Uh, but you didn't. And I'm interested in, in why. So the big thing that actually helped me out was the lockdown. Ah. <laughs> um, uh, it's, it's, especially for me, it was kind of a blessing in disguise because I started making the videos in January or late January 2020. And it, it wasn't on relevant topics. I was just talking about my favorite tennis players. And again, they got 50 views, 100 views, 150 after a few weeks. And um, I was happy. I was pretty disappointed that I wasn't getting 50,000 subs immediately. But I kind of understood this is what YouTube's about. Um, so I just kept grinding. And to be honest, I haven't talked about this much, but the real kind of like make it or break it moment was, so I received a copyright strike on my first video, which, you know, I still contend today that it was fair use. But again, I was pretty blatant with how I was just straight up copying and pasting 30 second, you know, highlight clips, so to speak, to make a video essay. So what I did was I, I filed a, a counter notification, which for people who don't, who don't know, I basically appealed their strike in order to, for YouTube to make sure to put the video back up online. And something happened where my computer, I swear, people don't believe me when I tell them this, but I believe my computer just auto-filled my information on that form. Because when I signed my name, my full name is Andrew Riley. It just signed Andrew. Okay, so I, I did this whole appeal in terms of why I, I described why it was a, a valid video essay and it's fair use, yada, yada. Put my video back up and it's just signed Andrew, not Andrew Riley. So I submit it. And 60 seconds later, YouTube emails me saying, hello, due to fraudulent information, your account has been permanently terminated. Oh, wow. You know, have a nice day. And I was like, what? I filed a, a, an appeal, you know, nothing, an automated response. Sorry, this is our decision, yada, yada. So that was it. I quit YouTube, you know. After, <laughs> after two or three videos, my YouTube career came to a, a very quick end with 50 subscribers. So that was it. So I, I, I quit for about a month or two and I was super sad and I tried everything to get my channel back because I really thought at 50 subscribers this would be my eventual career even though I had no skills but that was it so then lockdown started and just as lockdown started like three months later I you know just randomly let me just try one more time I went to reddit twitter you know instagram I, I contacted youtube or every avenue uh way say like can someone help me can someone help me and I think I never got a firm response, but I think someone from YouTube read a thread I made on Reddit. And then the next day, I got an email saying, hello, we've looked back and turns out your account is valid or, you know, we, we saw our mistake or something like that. And they put my channel back up and they didn't put the video back up, but my channel was back. And I thought, okay, it's lockdown. I'm not doing anything. Let's just really go at this again. Let me try the second time now, but I'm going to be putting eight hours a day in like actual full-time job with no subscribers and see where that gets me. So that's what I did. During lockdown, I just, I was stuck in Florida. So I just stayed in my apartment and made videos for eight hours a day. And I happened to be with my girlfriend at the time and she was pissed because she wanted to spend time with me and she was doing nothing. You know, she had nothing to do, but I told her, listen, I'm trying to really do this. And I mean, to her credit, she believed in what I was doing, but she didn't really understand why I had to do this eight hours a day. And maybe even today, I'm not sure if I would 
go full at it with no guarantee of success because I had no subscribers. No one was watching my content. But I always just thought if one day a video blows up, I want to have a garden of really high quality content for people to see and then subscribe to because they'll see how I'm serious. So that's what I did for about three months, making no money. I just made videos eight hours a day and just whittled down my, my bank account until it's pretty much zero. So that's really how, you know, I made it, so to speak. I just made videos nonstop when no one was watching. So I guess the natural question is, when did people start watching? I really started making content for real full-time in March. And for six months of doing videos full-time, no one watched me. Uh, I had about 50, 100 views per video. After about six months of doing this full-time, I had about 150 subscribers. And I was still kind of optimistic. You know, I had no reason to be, but I thought, Maybe one day, one video will hit 10,000. That will be insane. You know, that's like, I'm doing this, you know? So I did this for about six months. And I remember one time on my birthday in September, I was out at a bar with some friends. I was, you know, it was my birthday. I was pretty drunk. And my phone started getting a lot of notifications. And I said, what is going on? I checked my YouTube analytics and where, you know, for the past six months, every day I was seeing like five views an hour, 10 views an hour on like the 10 videos I had. Suddenly, it was like thousands of views in an hour. I said, oh my God, what is going on here? Thousands of views per hour turned to 10,000 views in an hour. I said, oh my goodness, what is going on? One of my videos that I had made during lockdown went viral. And it was like for real viral. Uh, today, the video sits at around 6 million views today. It's called wow. The Debacle of Blue Clay. It's about some tennis tournament in Madrid that used a new surface and it was a disaster. Yeah, so after about, uh, after a few weeks, no, after just one week, it was already surpassed 2 million views. And I thought, you know, this was, for someone that had never gotten past, you know, a thousand views on a video, this was life-changing, yeah. truly. And I thought, this is real. This is really happening. So, you know, after lockdown, I went back to work uh, with my company because the lockdown was over and whatnot. But again, I was still making, con like, I, w I came home from work at around 5 p.m. and I just made videos until I went to sleep. You know, I had really no, no social life. So as soon as that video went viral, I quit my job. I thought, you know, I am so serious about this that if this video went viral, I can make other videos go viral. So I quit my job. And then thankfully, in the next two weeks, you know, two other videos just just by relation being suggested also went viral, you know, not as big, but in the in the millions of views. So where I'd made no money and I wasn't monetized, I had no AdSense, you know, a week late, you know, a day later I got monetized, and within a week I had already made a few thousand dollars just on one video. So this was like, this was free money, you know? I was ecstatic. And it really just went from there. And I've been making content ever since, but just, you know, slowly getting better and better. I really have never settled for making mediocre content. So I'm content to spend, I mean, I'm sure you're like this as well. You know, we spend weeks on end just editing one video if it's eight minutes. And then that's, that's really how it's developed from there. Did you ever find out what triggered that video going viral? Did anyone share it anywhere or did it just happen? It was the, you know, the YouTube algorithm gods. I think it was, you know, it's a very interesting thumbnail. It's this player, Rafael Nadal, and he's playing on this blue surface that's very unique to tennis. And I just put a simple uh, caption on the thumbnail says banned because the surface was banned after a year. And the video title was The Debacle of Blue Clay. And again, it, it was, I mean, I look back at the video now, I, I you know, course we all think our old content's mediocre i say I, I watched the editing it's like oh this is pretty mediocre editing but um the thumbnail the title it just really worked well and people would constantly say in the comments like 
I don't care about tennis, but what's going? I had to see what was going on with that thumbnail and the thumbnail, and it was it wasn't anything special. It was just uh, a an image from Google that I you know added some saturation and I put a caption and. I mean that's I mean that's YouTube in a nutshell I suppose. I knew there was this audience for good tennis content. I was just getting a little disappointed after a while because I didn't think I would ever be discovered so to speak or pe- maybe people were never that interested. And again, I mean I'm not that big. I'm not saying I'm a you know a big YouTuber like a lot of others on this platform, but the fact that I'm closing in on 100,000 subscribers with 20 million plus views, I'm very happy with with how people have received my content and you know how in just a year and a half, I've really made this a, a, a true, true way of living. And to me, you know, this is still, I have so many ideas of how I'm growing and I'm still very much at the beginning stages of things. One, I think, interesting question. You went, the, f- the Blue Clay video went viral. Yes. You had the confidence to leave your job because you truly believed that if that video hit it, you could do other stuff like that as well. Now, right. you mentioned the thumbnail, for example. So what, that tells me is that there's lessons that you learn from that video that you knew you could apply again. Mm. So my question to you will be, what lessons did you learn from that video and further successful videos that you applied to the content moving forward? I think the main one, Alex, was that I think when I was uploading videos and they had no views, when I started YouTube, I was really just uploading videos on topics that I liked. You know, mm. it had nothing to do with what was mainstream. I wasn't talking about anything in relation to current tennis for the most part, you know? So I think the biggest thing when that video went viral was people don't care about current events. They just want a good story. You know, they, they want something interesting. So that's kind of been what my channel has developed into from then. I don't talk about current events in the least bit, you know? I don't have a, you know, a weekly news segment I don't talk about what player won the U.S. Open this year. I talk about some random events from 20 years ago that no one has thought about ever. But the big thing is, a lot of time is, oh, you know, I've always wondered that. Or, you know, I've always had that question. Like, let me just watch this quickly. You know, for example, in tennis, there's this system called Hawkeye, which when a ball is hit close to the line, there's an umpire there who will call it in or out. But what players are able to do is challenge the call. You know, there's a, a computer in the sky basically watching everything, and that, and that computer will basically say on the screen if it was actually in or out. So one video I made was, you know, the, tr- the, the truth about Hawkeye accuracy. You know, no one, not a video anyone would actually make for the most part, but it was just like, I, I, I've always wondered how accurate that system was. You know, now that video has a, a million and a half views. So it's, it's really just content and stories that are not in the mainstream or relevant whatsoever, but it's, you know, it's just one of those like fun Jeopardy facts, you know, so to speak. And to be honest, the modern content I do does relatively well, but it, it, not, nothing modern has ever blown up to the extent that some of my wacky videos have. Interesting. So there's still a lot in the future for your YouTube story. Right. So what I want to know is what is your current strategy and what is... What is sort of what excites you about the content that you're doing right now and whatever is over the horizon that you look forward to work on? So when I first started making YouTube videos, to be honest, video essays were never my true intention or my my true goal. When I mentioned before that I was kind of watching these Casey Neistat, Mr. Beast videos, it wasn't necessarily because, again, I was a, a true fan of the content. I saw what they were doing with their lives and I was like, wow, these guys are really living life. I'm stuck here teaching tennis, which again, I I liked my company, 
I liked what I was doing for the most part, but I didn't think I was getting the most out of my life. And again, you know, going back to my father who came to this country on nothing and really built this massively successful company and life and family for himself, I thought, why am I pigeonholing myself when that's, that's not who I am? So I saw these lives that Casey and, and Jimmy were leading. I said, that's, I want that to be me, but I want it to be tennis. So my goal, the, <laughs> so my goal from the very beginning was I want to make viral type content where I go out in the world. I talk, I talk to people, I do crazy things and I'm not, you know, these aren't going to be challenges by any means like, like, like Jimmy or Mr. Beast, but I just want people to watch me live an awesome life in tennis. Cause I know I would want to see that if I didn't make YouTube videos. So I thought I don't have any resources. I've never even owned a camera for real. But, you know, I have this MacBook, so I'll, I'll start making video essays. And they've done really well now. But I'm at the point where I'm almost thinking, you know, I've, I've almost hit my peak saturation limit in terms of what I'm able to do. And I can only put out so, many, so much content. My goal in the very near future is to kind of dole out some responsibilities on this main channel in terms of editing. I think I'll always be writing, at least for the near future. But I think editing is the first thing that I can help hand off to someone in, in the first bit. and then start a second channel potentially where I really do what I want to do, which is film and go out in the world and do crazy things and use my existing fan base to watch me do that. So that's that. That's pretty much it. I, I have so many ideas and goals in, ter- in terms of how to make this a real business because, you know, right now it's just a sole proprietorship. You know, it's just me doing everything and it's kind of draining, you know, when I put so much effort and I'm so perfectionist, you know, like like a lot of one person YouTube jobs are. But I know my videos don't have to hit that level of quality every time. Of course, I want them to. But if I want to make it sustainable, I have to make it more of a serialized content where, you know, they're coming out more regularly and I can spend half my month writing and, you know, managing the the main YouTube channel and the other half starting this experimental channel, which is it's going to be just like how Colt Tennis started. You know, it's no one's going to watch it first. I'll hopefully get a few bandwagon fans for my main channel. And then, you know, my goal is just to make good good content and make this make this a, a business you know there are no tennis personalities there are no tennis influencers and i've never been a fan of the word influencer but if i can become one like the players in terms of popularity and, and influence then you know that's my my goal has been reached well <laughs> i look forward to whatever comes of that because this this was an interesting journey thank you very much for speaking with me andrew Yeah, Alex, thanks so much. I mean, this was fun. I, I really get to talk about my beginnings because I just don't have a platform for that. So, you know, thanks again for having me on and all the best to you as well. 